Section 6 of The Science History of the Universe, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Logan Lorenz. The Science History of the Universe, Volume 4. Edited by Francis Rolt Wheeler. Chemistry, Chapter 5, The Iatrochemical Period, Part 2. The iatrochemical doctrines contributed much to the general advancement of the science of chemistry, but two mistakes were made by the iatrochemists. They endeavored to explain, on chemical principles, all the changes and processes occurring in the body, an attempt which was futile for the chemistry of that day. And secondly, they set too narrow a limit for chemistry, which was not destined to remain in a subordinate position. Consequently, their many co-chemical ideas were upset after the middle of the 17th century, although the tenet of the phlogistic period, the phlogistic hypothesis, which was predominated during most of the 18th century, was indicated by many of the iatrochemists. No mention has been made thus far of those distinguished technical chemists, Georgius Agricola, Bernard Palissy, and Johann Glauber, who promoted applied chemistry during the iatrochemical age. This was made necessary since they worked independently of the main iatrochemical current, and in general only fostered chemistry in its applications to industries. Contemporaneous with Paracelsus, but forming a strong contrast to him, was the true investigator, Georgius Agricola, who was born at Glachau near Meissen in 1494 and died mayor of Chemnitz in 1555. Agricola was a noted physician, but devoted himself more particularly to the study of mineralogy and metallurgy, writing little on medical subjects and not troubling himself about the storm over the revolution of Paracelsus. His works, which are indispensable to the history of metallurgy and mineralogy, are characterized by clearness and intelligibility. They are as follows. De re metallica libri, the twelfth, quibus officia, instrumenta, machin, ac omnia denic ad metallicam specnatia non modo lucinatissime discrepuntur sed et per efficis sui loci insertas ac juncti latin germanisque apollinacibo ob oculo ponotur ot glorios tradi non possoint de ortu et causis subterraneum de natura orium quae effluent ex terra de natura falsium de veterbu et nobi metalli bermanu sive de re metallica dialogos fifteen fifty eight and de mensuri et ponribu de precio metallorum et monitis fifteen eighty it was through these writings that the important metallurgical operations first became generally known. Agricola was also among the first to indicate a method by means of which it was possible to estimate approximately the amount of metal in an ore, and to explain intelligibly the manufacture of various preparations of industrial importance. Venusio Berengusi, author of a work on metallurgy entitled Pyrotechnica, 1540, in which various technical processes are described, like Agricola, 
held aloof from the discussion of the iatrochemical questions current in his time. He gave directions for preparing ultramarine, distinguishing it from copper azure. Bernard Palissy busied himself in the domain of ceramic art and succeeded in affixing durable enamels on earthenware vessels, especially on those of faience pottery. His observations on enamels, on the burning in of colors, and on the use of various clays for pottery are embodied in his work La Art des Tarets. His works are clearly written and show that he contributed to the founding of agriculture chemistry and mineralogy, and that he combated every speculation not based upon observation and experiment. Among these are his Discours admirables de la natura de aux et fontaines, tens naturale que artificialis des mertua des sals et salines, Des pire des terre, du foi et des amor, avec losors autre excellent secrets des choses naturale, fifteen eighty, and the moyen de devenir riche et la maniere veritable par la que toi les homes de la France pro apprender a multiplier et augmenter les tresors et possessnes. 1636. Along with Agricola, Palissy was the chief exponent of experimental chemistry in his time. The next name of importance is that of Johann Rudolf Glauber, who was born in Franken, Bavaria in 1604 and died at Amsterdam in 1668 and who still shares a somewhat hazy popular fame as the discoverer of glauber salt sodium sulfate this compound which is mentioned in his de natura salium published in sixteen fifty eight was obtained from the residue left in the preparation of hydrochloric acid and under the name salmirbile was highly prized by physicians the collected works of glauber were translated into english and published in a folio volume containing three parts embodying twenty-six treatises by Christopher Pack in London in 1689. In these treatises are found clear descriptions of the preparation of many chemical compounds and intelligible explanations in theoretical points of chemistry. Glauber also showed intelligence in questions of national and domestic economy, and on numerous occasions he sought to prove that Germany should work up and improve its own products and not leave this for other countries to do he was however inoculated with the prejudices of his age and was addicted to the fantastic extravagances of alchemy in writing he sometimes affected the style of the older alchemists and the following passage from a discussion on concentrating and amending metals by nitre will show how humorously absurd some of his ideas were first a man is to be made of iron having two noses on his head, and on his crown a mouth, which may be opened and again close shut. This, if it be to be used for the concentration of metals, is to be inserted into another man made of iron or stone, that the inward head may only come forth of the outward man, but the rest of his body or belly may remain hidden in the belly of the exterior man. And to each nose of the head-glass receivers are to be applied, to receive the vapors ascending from the hot stomach. 
when you use this man you must render him bloody with fire to make him hungry and greedy of food when he grows extremely hungry he is to be fed with a white swan when that food shall be given to this iron man an admirable water will ascend from his fiery stomach into his head and thence by his two noses flow into the appointed receivers a water i say which will be a true and efficacious aqua vitae for this iron man consumeth the whole swan by digesting it and changeth it into a most excellent and profitable food for the king and queen by which they are corroborated augmented and grow but before the swan yieldeth up her spirit and singeth her swan-like song which being ended her breath expireth with a strong wind and leaveth her roasted body for meat for the king but her anima or spirit she consecrateth to the gods that thence may be made a salamander a wholesome medicine for men and women in his proserpine or the goddess of riches part three glauber details the fundamental process how to make good gold out of silver with profit and how to separate good gold and silver out of iron tin copper and lead notwithstanding his adherence to mysticism glauber enriched chemistry in an eminent degree by his discoveries in attacking the question of the composition of bodies he commenced by considering the conditions under which salts were produced and the products of their mutual decomposition instead of preparing the chlorides of metals as heretofore by heating the metal with sublimate mercuric chloride he treated the metal directly with hydrochloric acid and concluded that the salt produced was merely a solution of the metal in the acid this was a convincing blow to the time-honored idea that the mercury of the sublimate had entered into the composition of the chlorides obtained moreover glauber taught how to prepare hydrochloric acid from rock salt and oil of vitriol and also fuming nitric acid from saltpetre and white arsenic the preparation of hydrochloric acid or spirit of salt is described in the first section of the second part of the miraculum mundi here also is given the method of obtaining salmirabile the discovery of which first appeared in his de natura salium to the discussion of the spirit of salt glauber adds plainly after the very same manner as we have taught spirit of salt to be prepared so may also be made aqua fortis nitric acid instead of salt take nitre and you will have aqua fortis for a long time afterward the acid thus obtained fuming nitric acid was known as spiritus nitri fumens glabri the combination of acids with metals or alkalis was attributed by glauber to a certain associative tendency which he termed geimenschaft he never employed the term affinity although as mentioned before it was already the property of chemical literature in glauber's works we find a clear description of the preparation of sulphate of ammonia formerly known as sal ammoniacum secretum globuri and the discovery of nitrate of ammonia nitrum flammans he was also the first to prepare chloride of arsenic and ferric and plumbic chlorides and to him is due a clearer knowledge of the chemistry of antimoniate of potash and other antimony compounds he prepared impure zinc chloride by heating calamine strongly with hydrochloric acid proved that copper sulphate blue vitriol is produced by boiling copper with oil of vitriol 
and he was the first to mention a case of what is called double decomposition. His observations on the latter are of interest. To quote from one of his treatises, aqua regia, which has taken gold into solution, kills the salt of tartar, potash, of the liquor of flints, silicate of potash, in such a way as to cause it to abandon the silica, and in exchange the salt of tartar paralyzes the action of the aqua regia in such a way as to make it let go the gold which it had dissolved. It is thus that the silica and gold are both deprived of their solvents. The precipitate is composed, then, at the same time of gold and of silica, the weights of which together represent that of the gold and the silica originally taken. With Glauber and Tacanius, the period of medical mysticism closes. Both of them advance chemistry by valuable observations, and in many of their chemical ideas, and also in point of time, they really belong to the next, the phlogistic period. The iatro chemists had preserved a real science throughout a troublous and philistine period, while their often fantastic speculations had caused no inconsiderable increase in the knowledge of chemical preparations. However, the advance in the knowledge of the composition of substances and in the observation of reactions first became pronounced toward the close of the period. In the works of Agricola, Berengucci, Cisalpino, Glauber, and Palissy stress is laid upon accurate description of technical operations, and it is from these works that knowledge accrues of the progress made in technical chemistry during the iatrochemical period. With regard to the extension of metallurgical knowledge, it is to be expected that the iatrochemists were more interested in the salts prepared from metals than in the latter themselves, as there was always the possibility of chemical preparations proving of value in medicine. Nevertheless, especially in the works of Agricola referred to before, it is found that a knowledge of the individual metals and of metallurgical operations became extended in the 16th century as a result of the publication of what had hitherto been kept secret. The methods of obtaining iron became known through the works of Agricola, and he was the first to describe the production of steel by the puddling process. It is interesting to note that steel was looked upon as a very pure iron. Of the other metals, the separation of gold and silver by means of nitric acid and the amalgamation process became generally known. Tin was employed in the 16th century for tinning iron, and although zinc and bismuth were often confused with antimony, yet a better knowledge of them was acquired, and the tutty from zinc ores was employed for making brass. One of the earliest treatises on glass manufacture is that by Antonio Neri, entitled L'Art Retroirei Distinta in Libri Sete, Ne Quali Se Scorpono Var Maraviglosi Effetti e Sinsignano Segreti Bellissimi del Vetro nel Vuoco ed Altere Cos Curiose which was published in Florence in 1612, and in Latin at Amsterdam in 1681. In this work, Neri details his extensive experience, and it contributed to the diffusion of a knowledge of special ceramic operations. In the 16th century are found the first dependable observations on the manufacture of ruby glass by means of gold, 
and considerable skill was obtained about sixteen hundred in the production of artificial gems johann baptista porta fifteen thirty eight through sixteen fifteen of naples was the author of a treatise de germarum adulteries in which recipes for preparing imitation precious stones were detailed agricola in his treatise de re metallica gives the first drawing of the interior construction of a glass furnace and in this work as well as in Massasias serepta or Bergpostel, sixteen fifty four are found explicit and interesting directions about the manufacture of glass as carried out in venice germany and bohemia in bohemia the glass industry began to flourish in the sixteenth century the purity of the materials occurring there enabling glass manufacturers to produce the colorless glass for which the bohemian glass houses have long been famous when the venetian glass manufacture fell into decay bohemian glass replaced venetian the first manufacture of glass in england is that of window glass established in the fifteenth century but the product was not satisfactory and in the reign of elizabeth french artists were brought to london and these carried on their trade of making window glass at crushed friars in fifteen fifty seven while flint glass was first manufactured at a glass house at savoy house in the strand mirror glass was manufactured at lambeth by venetian workmen brought over by the duke of buckingham in sixteen seventy glass works were established in france at an early date but it was not until the eighteenth century when workmen were brought from germany that a pure type of french glassware was produced one of the important discoveries of this period was that of cobalt blue by schurer a saxon glass blower who obtained it on fusing the cobaltious residue from the manufacture of bismuth with glass this latter became known as zaffirin smalt the efforts of palissy in extending the knowledge of ceramics have been referred to and it only remains to state that johannes porta was engaged in similar work in italy about the same time these savants devoted themselves with self-sacrificing assiduity to the production of glazed and colored faience and laid the foundation of modern art pottery in dyeing a variety of vegetable colors were employed indigo and cochineal were imported from america and the west indies and numerous observations were made on dyeing processes drebbel learned that a solution of tin in aqua regia could be employed for fixing colors on cloth about sixteen thirty and the methods of mordanting with alum and iron solutions were improved the art of printing proved for dyeing as well as for other arts its great pioneer and propagator in the middle of the sixteenth century plictho's art of dyeing was published this treatise gave general instructions for dyeing all kinds of fabrics and laid the foundation for that improvement of this art which soon after followed throughout germany france and england it is interesting to note that the use of indigo was forbidden by the english parliament in the reign of queen elizabeth and that this act remained in full force till the time of charles the second considerable interest was evinced in the distillation of liquors during this period and numerous works upon this subject appeared among these were the following hieronymus sallers liber de arte distillandi de compositis fifteen hundred fifteen twelve and fifteen twenty seven john french's the art of distillation sixteen fifty one 
and el solces distillatoria curiosa sui ratio ducendi licores coloratos per alembicum many improvements were made both in distilling apparatus and in the methods of distillation and the distillation of brandy became an industry the word distillation up to the end of the fourteenth century meant the separation of the more light or subtle parts of anything from the more heavy or gross by a process of dropping thus geber and others included the filtration of a liquid as a variety of distillation the latin word distillo applies to a dropping liquid but such employment of the term does not appear after the fourteenth century in chemical works although the older use of distill is still found in ordinary writings especially in poetry and occurs in fielding and shakespeare the process of distillation was classified in various ways for instance according to the source and mode of application of the heat the shape of the alembic or distillatory vessel and the direction impressed on the vapor upward or downward distillatio essensum vel descensum the heat was applied in the form of the direct heat of a fire or the heat conveyed through water or through sand or the direct heat of the sun horta about fifteen eighty five employed concave mirrors to concentrate the sun's rays fairly repeated distillation was often prescribed as the purity of the distillate was thought to be increased each distillation up to the fifth distillate which was termed the quintessence an alcoholic distillate obtained in this way from selected wine was considered to possess great medicinal value during the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries the distillation of fermented alcoholic liquids became subject to state supervision in many european countries in ireland where it has been shown that the distillation of a spirit from fermented barley was practiced in eleven seventy up to fifteen fifty six the distillation of spirits was carried on without license or taxation in the reign of henry the eighth distilleries were established in pembroke by irish settlers and it is considered likely that the soldiers of henry the second three hundred years previous brought back with them the knowledge of whiskey or uisque bietha the manufacture of aqua vitae from malt appears to have been common in scotland and england in fourteen ninety four and in the middle of the seventeenth century the manufacture of spirits was made a source of revenue by excise duties on the amount manufactured in the tudor and stuart period licenses had been required to use stills the knowledge of chemical compounds especially in the preparation of inorganic compounds showed decided improvements and the beginning of qualitative analysis are sought for in this period in so far that conclusions concerning the presence of one or another constituent were deduced from the appearance and behavior of precipitates and of salts which crystallized out from solutions glauber designed several forms of furnaces and casting vessels which were found to be useful in the preparation and investigation of a number of inorganic substances as a result of the attention paid to the products of vegetable and animal assimilation organic compounds became known in rapidly increasing numbers but the composition of these bodies remained quite undiscernible it is worthy of note that many of the iatrochemists assumed that oil or fat contains a hidden acid 
basing their conclusion on the old observation that fats were acted upon and changed by alkalis. The importation of sugars from Spain, Portugal, Madeira, the West Indian Islands, and Brazil soon made this article better known throughout Europe. Libyphius, in his Alchemia, 1595, mentions Saccharae crystallini quod candi appellant, and he recommends a plan of purifying Madeira sugar by means of albumen, and Angelus Sala, in his Saccharologia, advises the use of egg albumen and lime water for this purpose. Milk sugar, occurring in the milk of mammalia, especially in that of the herbivora, was first examined by Fabrizio Bartoletti in 1619. It was termed by him as manna s nitrium lactis. It was more closely examined by Testi in 1698. Glauber noticed in 1660 that a granular sugar is contained in honey, raisins, and in the juice of sweet cherries, but he did not point out that it differs from cane sugar. End of section 6